This week, we're discussing the priority of leading without pushing people. Welcome back to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and the founder of Telio, a formation and care ministry for pastors. And my name's Tyler. I'm the executive pastor at Tyler Ridgeline. what? You got to say your whole name. You're not just, what are you, Prince? You only have one name? <laughs> uh, maybe. I don't know. I'm just Ty Ty. I like that. Uh, that's it. I'm Ty Ty Draven. The pastor formerly known as Ty. You should change all your uh, social handles to Ty Ty. Yeah. I like that. Well, we'll see. That's We'll keep that in the family. That's right. So you're Tyler Dravitz. Tyler Dravitz, uh, executive pastor at Ridgeline Church and also the president and co-founder of MyXP, where we serve as remote executive pastor. Uh, I was going to say pastors, but I'm the only one. So the remote executive pastor for churches around the country. Uh, the reason I was going to make it plural, I have a team of people that help us support churches, but I'm the one who serves as kind of the person who interacts with churches, all of those kind of things. So bookkeeping, mm-hmm. we do some XP coaching, we do all kinds of different things to really help uh, take some of the things off the plates of lead pastors mm-hmm. and to help them thrive in ministry. Mm-hmm. And you, so you're the co-founder of it. I said that. Uh, yeah, I know. I think you said you're the president. I just Co-founder like... and president, I said. Oh, you're both. You're well, all I those am. things. And no, I know. You're just a you're just, you have a lot of titles. Is I'm all. the chairman of the board. <laughs> I'm You are all things. You are my XP. <laughs> well, well, we're we're in the midst of a series of conversations if you've been listening along, uh, considering what we should be prioritizing this fall as ministry leaders. We're still all ministering in the midst of so many um new COVID restrictions, and we survived the first five, six months uh, of all of this, but now the fall ministry season is approaching, and a lot of us are asking, now what? So that's pretty much what we've called I know this. now what. What? I went to like three movies last week. You did? What yeah. movies did you see? Did you see anything uh, new? No, I'm sorry. I saw two movies last week. I've been to three movies total. I went to Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom at like a local theater chain mm-hmm. I don't care for. And IMAX, then I though? Went you to, got to see it on IMAX, right? Uh, Was it IMAX? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Um... But because it's an older movie, mm-hmm. blown up that big, it was very pixelated. It, it was yeah, didn't didn't yeah. translate. Uh, and then I saw Words on Bathroom Walls, which was just so good. Yeah, like go watch it. Right, and turn. It off sounds the like podcast, a horror movie, but it. it's not. It's not at all. And if you watch the preview, you just have to watch it all the way through. The first like forty five seconds of the preview make you think it's like the worst, most horrific movie ever. It's not. Um, it's a really enlightening movie about um, someone who struggles with schizophrenia. So mm-hmm. I thought it was great. Sounds really uplifting. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was enlightening, I said. Enlightening is a good yeah, word not for it, yeah. Um, and then I saw Unhinged, and please don't go to that. I, I, I feel... Oh, that's the Russell Crowe one I feel where he's disappointed like a... in Russell Crowe. So first of all, as the credits rolled... He doesn't even have a name in the movie. His his name is Man. <laughs> that's Man. That's what it says in the Russell credits. Crow. Yep, because he's never given a name in the movie, and like the whole thing, I just I don't understand it. It's one of the most like unnecessarily violent. Really? I mean, it was just like 
it was only myself and some friends in the theater. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad because like at one point we just needed to like get up. I mean, I like I wasn't sure if I was going to never good. It just yeah. You so feel like you need a shower. Not recommended. Yeah. I was excited because it was Russell Crowe. I knew that yeah. it was like a suspense. Yeah. I don't even know that there's a name for the type of movie that it was. Hmm. You know what movie um, I'm excited about? What movie? Mulan. Oh, yeah. We're going to watch. But that's not in the theater. I don't care. Looks amazing. Well, I wish it was in the theater. We're gonna but watch yeah, it on big screens. It still, does, it's gonna be yeah, great. Yeah. So we're gonna watch it together. Great. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. Tomorrow. That's right. We're I feel going. like you're just trying to move past. I'm trying to have a moment about Mulan. I'm excited oh, about right. it. Well, I don't feel like your level of enthusiasm about Mulan at any step in the last six, seven months since we've known about it. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like your enthusiasm has been high enough at any point. So while I am a Disney nerd, can I just like full disclosure? You don't really care about the movies that much. N well, no. I mean. I do some. I've never seen Mulan. You've never seen I the original Mulan? I know there's a character named Mulan in it. Yeah. That's what I know. Yeah, it's the character. I think I'm not going to sit and even like project what I think because I'm going to get myself in trouble, even what it's about. I have some ideas as mm -hmm. to what it's about, but I don't know that I could confidently say. I think it's going to be awesome. I'm super pumped Oh, well, the, the I'm excited. Like So before I was excited to see Lion King mm -hmm. because it was like, Disappointing. oh, Lion King. I, well, yes, but that's true. Or like Beauty and the Beast. Like, oh, Beauty and the Beast because I have connection. I'm just excited to see a totally brand new, <laughs> totally. never seen before yeah. movie called Mulan yeah. that was never a cartoon for me. Yeah. So. It's yeah. true. I think it's going to be good. Yep. So you're prioritizing uh, now what? You're prioritizing movies this fall. But today I think we're going to talk more about like what we should prioritize ministry-wise. Oh, okay. okay. Is that what we're doing? I mean, we can, we, we can, <laughs> when we're done with this, you and I can talk about this all day Okay, long. okay, good. <laughs> but for these people's sake. Mm -hmm. So we've, uh, we've, done, we've had two conversations about this so far. We've talked about uh, building safe space for emotional health issues because uh, people are still really struggling in yep. the midst of all this. And then last week, we talked about finding safe ways to gather physically and about how we're doing that. And today, uh, we actually want to temper what we talked about last week with this principle of leading without pushing people. Yeah. Because I think one thing we're trying hard not to do is to we're trying hard not to push people to regather physically if, one, it's not safe for them, or two, they're not ready. We're trying to lead without pushing. Yep. And so we're going to talk about that. And, and I think what spawned this was a conversation that you and I have had. We're starting to see a lot more sermon series mm -hmm. out right now that are all about like thriving yeah. in the fall. You can and, own right, this year. Right. and How to beat back the pandemic and, yeah. and all this kind yep. of stuff. And I think that all of that is uh, largely well-intentioned. Sure. Uh, but I think doesn't take into consideration sometimes. Worst case scenario, just doesn't take into consideration where people are, are at yeah. and pushes rather than leads at times if people are not in a place where they're really ready to be able to do that. Absolutely. And so we, we want to talk about how to, how, what are some ways that we can go about better leading rather than pushing people to do more in this time? Cause we, you know, we, you and I both know lots of pastors yeah. and, um, and, and by and large, I don't think we're experiencing this with a ton of pastors that we're close to and yeah. working with, but I've heard a lot from ministry staff members that I'm in relationship with yeah. in different tribes, different churches, different places in the country whose lead pastors in particular mm. are like, I'm done with the pandemic and it's time to like pedal to the metal and we are going to drive, drive, drive. Yeah. And the problem with that is, is in these conversations where people feel free to be really honest, yep. what they're saying is we're exhausted yeah. and we have been working so hard 
like as we've talked about ad nauseum for the last six months on this podcast, like this hasn't been a vacation. This has not been a sabbatical for ministry people. We, we've all been learning completely new skills, yep. and it's been brutal. And so as a result, anyone who is in vocational ministry, by and large, is very fatigued emotionally, Absolutely. physically, all of that. Sure. And then there's just this weird brokenness in a lot of lead pastors that is just like, well, we're going to take the hill, and I'm going to drive these people into the ground. Right. And that's not their intention, but it's happening. For sure. And I think one of the reasons it's important to like lead people rather than push people is um, I think it's really important that we acknowledge there's not like a most correct way to respond to what is happening right mm-hmm. now. I think that uh, there isn't like... I have a few people on Twitter that would disagree with I know, you about I that. I understand that, but I think that that's the problem is it's not like if you're a good, God-fearing um, you know, uh, evangelical Christian, then you'll respond to it this way and you won't wear your mask. And you won't, and, mm-hmm. and again, I agree. I think there are people who are really, again, pushing that, not mm-hmm. leading that. There's no one in leadership anywhere who's got that position, I yeah. don't believe. Yeah. There's people who are pushing people that direction for sure. But pushing uh, is not leading no, by definition. No. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it's follow the leader, right. not uh, <laughs> go the way that somebody shoves you. Right. Uh, and I think that it's just important because uh, absolutely we have to try trust in God and we have, mm-hmm. to, but, um, the way that the Holy spirit works in each of our hearts and minds as to how we deal with that is mm-hmm. going to be totally different. Mm-hmm. And we're not facing something that, uh, we faced before. Mm-hmm. It is unprecedented. unprecedented. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. So as, as a side note, uh, I saw one of my favorite memes up to this point. Yes. I and remember. it was, it was somebody for about 30 minutes. Straight. It was amazing, but it basically said, I would give anything for something to be precedented. <laughs> totally. It was just amazing. Like, and, and that's all it said. It didn't comment <laughs> on the unprecedented, but I was like, that made me so happy. And I think, it, cause you, it is like, yeah. like going to movies is precedented for me. So let's, right. you know, anyway, yeah. I just think that it's really important that we recognize that, um, uh, because on one end you do have to have courage and trust God. And you also like, God also gives us wisdom mm-hmm. and things like that. And, and what that looks like in this season is going to be different for different people. And it is not fair. Mm-hmm. It's not helpful. And I think even in our conversations, um, the term abusive mm-hmm. comes up as far as like, if you are in a position or have been in a position of leadership and you really are beating some kind of drum that is not helpful to the people who are struggling right Mm -hmm. now. Um, It's just not right. And I think that some people probably hear the word abusive and it's, it's a shocking word. Sure. And I think, I think that makes it the right word. Right. (laughs) Because um, I don't, you, you don't have to intend to abuse someone to be abusive. Right. And I don't, I don't think that there are very many, I mean, I've never met, I don't think I've ever met a pastor that intends to be abusive. Sure. Like they woke up sure. one day and they're like, you know what, I'm going to really flip the script on this and I decided I'm going to be an abuser. Right. But I think if any time you are pushing people rather than leading them, at best, you are teetering on that line of totally. being abusive. And yeah. I think in some of these cases, at least based on the... Uh, impact that I see it happening having on some staff members, yeah. I would say we are we are very much crossing over into this. This is abusive to people's souls. Yeah, the rate at which we are trying to drive them forward. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about how exactly we can go about leading without pushing. Okay. And the first thing uh, that I thought of was that as especially those of us that have the ability 
to lead. Like, so if we are lead pastors or we're in a position of leadership and responsibility, I think one thing, if we're decision makers in particular, we need to be ruthless about what's driving our decision making. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think that a lot of the time, what drives a lot of our decisions is stuff that that really is coming from our inner lives, yeah. and that it can come. This I see this especially true with lead pastors that it can come from a place of brokenness yep. and unhealth. And so I think really being honest about um, is fear, is restlessness, yeah. is you know my identity and my worth wrapped up in my like whatever it is that I'm building. Because I think when I I, I could see a lot of lead pastors feeling right now like. We've basically been on like coasting mm-hmm. for the last six months, and maybe they're starting to freak out about finances, yeah. or they're just starting to feel like, you know what, I'm done with this. And so as a result, we're going to drive, drive, drive. Yeah. But I think that if you're not aware of that, mm-hmm. and that you can't identify those as broken drivers inside of you, then your brokenness bleeds onto other people, and it has a negative impact on them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, from uh, when you think about that fear perspective, I think, I mean, I've had conversations with pastors who like have like even been willing to verbalize, well, another church in town is opening mm-hmm. and I'm afraid or another I'm church lose nearby my or yeah, 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 for sure. I'm going to lose my people. And I think um, we had the opportunity uh, to listen to a webinar by Larry Osborne. Mm-hmm. We shout him out pretty frequently. Him and Planning our, Center. Oh, man. That's our guys. That's right. I don't know who I'd put number one. <laughs> I do, actually. I'm sorry, Larry. I can't do it. But uh, he mentioned, he's like, you know what? Like, what? Best case scenario, what that church down the street is inviting people back to is so weird mm-hmm. that like, it's not like, you don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. And I think in, gen- in general, like if people are that much on the edge, I don't think it's due to your willingness to uh, wait a little bit longer, things like that. I think one of the things we have seen through this season is um, the division that things like opinion on masks and just mm-hmm. all of the different controversial issues that have come about this. I mean, I genuinely thought that like drums in worship would go down. I mean, not as much currently, but mm-hmm. back in the 90s would go oh, down yeah. as the most divisive thing in the church. Yeah. It, I mean, drums can't even enter the room of face masks. No. It's just, <laughs> I mean, it's just like, it's just like, I mean, like, like it's just pitiful comparative. Yeah. Uh, the conversations I've had, I'm just like, my mind is blown by of people wanting more or wanting less and all of those kind of things. And so I just think that, um, uh, it is. It's a really difficult season. It's it's challenging to make decisions. But to your point, being ruthless about the reason, like mm-hmm. just be willing to say, like, I think we ought to do this for this. And that's why, like, hopefully your church is led. Uh, you've got some other people around you mm-hmm. who are a part of your church leadership team. Maybe it's your staff. Maybe it's your elders. Maybe it's a board, whatever. And some people where you can have some good, honest conversation about, like, here's what I'm worried about, and it's making me want to make this decision, like, help me with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's important mm-hmm. because right now there is no single individual mm-hmm. who has the ability to be, like, just totally above it all. Yeah, like, no way. Like, we we are not sober-minded. We mm-hmm. are not clear-thinking. We mm-hmm. are not, like, I mean, we might have moments of that sort of clarity, mm-hmm. but it quickly can revert back to whatever. Yeah. And so... I'm not even I'm not even confident that a group can come up with that kind of clarity, yeah. but it's way more likely than a single. Yeah. And I mean my my concern is is pastors and ministry leaders that are not aware 
at all yeah. of what's oh, yeah. driving their decisions. Yeah. And because, and I would say like, if you're, this might be one thing, one place to really stop and check your motives. If you have this, if the bell you've been ringing is, you know, is, is one of impact, it's time for us to get back to making an impact. It's time for us to get back to growing the church. It's time for us to get back to, if you're using that language a lot, I would just really encourage you to, to take a step back and to try to be really relentless and honest with yourself about, is it really that? Yeah. And I say that from a place of experience. I've sure. done that. I spent sure. a decade of ministry in pursuit of quote unquote impact. And I was spending a decade in pursuit of feeling of value right. <laughs> by what I built. Right. And that's broken. And it doesn't just hurt you when you're in a position of leadership. It hurts other people too. Absolutely. And that's a problem. Yep. So be ruthless about what's driving your decision making. What's the second thing? Uh, be careful to assess the impact of the last seven months. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to know how many how many pastors really know how their people are doing. Yeah. And I would say if the drum that you've been ringing through this whole thing is I'm thriving, I'm doing great, just this like God's in control and we're you know all of this like really rah-rah upbeat hypey message. Mm-hmm. My 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 guess and suspicion would be you have no idea how your people are really doing. Oh, for because sure. you have put a you have put a yoke on them that insists that that's how they need to be doing too. Sure. Because right or wrong, they look at you as like you are the bar of following Jesus in your local community. Totally. As as the pastor. And if that's how you've been and that's been your messaging, then I my guess is most people are not going to feel safe and comfortable to be honest with themselves or you about how they're really doing. Would totally. you agree with that? Oh, yeah. I mean, when you create an environment where trusting God equals like, we all yeah. the time, you're just <laughs> not going to create an environment that feels that way. I mean, I remember, uh, it, this isn't COVID related, but very similar. I was in a really, one of the darkest seasons of my life, transitioning mm-hmm. out of a previous season in ministry into what we're currently in. Um, and it was, it was very dark. I had been hurt more than I've ever been hurt. I was just, I mean, like, just like an open wound walking around. And had we been I, doing this podcast then, Everyone would have heard you cry oh, every yeah. episode. Like I, I don't know that I would have said words. I, I, was, I mean, <laughs> I mean, all joking aside, yeah. I genuinely don't remember a conversation that you and I had for at least an eight to ten month period. I mean, literally. Oh sure. Any sort of anything beyond like goofing around, being yeah. silly. Any genuine conversation in which you did not have what genuinely felt like a full blown emotional breakdown. Sure. Like, so that just just to put into like. That's the headspace you were yeah. in. And and granted, not everyone, I mean, you knew that, but not yeah. everyone knew that. And I had an opportunity to attend a church that I would put in that more yeah. like real kind of like hyper excited mm-hmm. drive. And um, the pastor uh, was preaching uh, through Job. Uh, I think maybe it was just like the story of Job, or mm-hmm. I can't even remember exactly. Job got referenced. Yeah, I absolutely. Remember. And the, the thing was... Uh, the statement was basically no matter what you're going through right now, mm-hmm. there's just like almost no chance it's anywhere near what Job went through. So like suck it up and move on. Yeah. And that will, I mean, if I am on a podcast when I am 85 and talk about one of the most hurtful things I heard a pastor say, that'll be in my top three mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I was just so uh, broken by mm-hmm. that idea that like, um, you know, uh, so I haven't gone through what Job's gone through, mm-hmm. and I haven't, 
Uh, I haven't lost, um, you know, I'm not married, so mm-hmm. I don't know what it's like to lose a spouse. I don't or know any of those, or, any yeah. of that. Um, but I have my own personal hell. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, as leaders and especially as pastors, we need to recognize that everyone has gone through the worst season in their life. And maybe as they articulate it, you think, that doesn't, you've had a really nice life, but it mm-hmm. doesn't matter because mm-hmm. that's the worst thing right. that person has gone through. And I think for a lot of people, this season has them in one of those top, again, I think as sure. people are telling stories to their grandchildren and great grandchildren, they're going to talk about the season of 2020 right. and it's uh, and it's rough and it's difficult. And so leading and preaching in such a way that makes people feel um, less than or all of that, um, as a result is just, uh, like, I, like it's hard to even think about that because in that moment I just, and again, that I, that person barely knew me, mm-hmm. uh, they didn't understand the context, but, um, but we it, all need to know that when you minimize the suffering of another, yep. you wound them further. Absolutely. And that is and abusive. Whether or not you're saying their name or you're yeah. just preaching to, you know, the the church is rather large. And so I think recognizing how many, and even if your church is only 10 people, recognizing that you have, like, unless you know that you know that you know mm-hmm. what every single person is going through that's sitting in front of you, like, be careful yeah. and recognize that um, some people might be going through the very worst season of their lives and uh, and we need to be understanding of that for sure. Yeah, and I, I would just I would not to like beat that point, but I just think in general, trying to compare, trying trying to make people feel better about whatever their suffering is by comparing it to suffering that's worse, is just foolishness. Oh yeah, and unhelpful and ineffective. Sure. So just don't do that in general. So I think. I don't think that any. Pa- I don't think that this has this has affected all of us the same. No, by any no. means. So I think some people might be feeling emotionally stronger and better than others. So I wouldn't argue that any ministry leader should pretend to be worse off than they are. Sure. I would argue you should be. We should always be transparent about things that are hard. If yeah. the only thing we ever convey is what's good and easy, and we only ever convey our strengths, then sure. we're not being honest followers of Jesus. In addition to being leaders, sure. And so I think be honest about what's been hard for you or what is hard for you right now in real time. And yep. then the second thing, I've really tried to get better at adopting language when I'm talking to people, not just going, hey, how you doing? Because I find that when people hear, hey, how you doing, they hear, hey, what are you doing? Yeah. And so yeah. they talk about like, well, here's what we've been up to and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I've been really trying to ask people how or what are you feeling? Mm. Um because that's a much more specific question sure. that I think people aren't used to being asked, stops people a little bit in their tracks and causes them to reflect and know how to get to what it is that I'm really asking. Sure. I mean, I have Instagram, you have Instagram. I know what you're doing. <laughs> right. Uh, I want to know how you're doing, yeah. what you're feeling, things yep. like that. So I think that language is a bit more specific. Absolutely. So be careful to assess the impact of the last seven months by really getting to the bottom of how you're doing and how people are doing. And then lastly, we really want to be compassionate toward those who are struggling. Yeah. And this is what I was thinking about today as we were writing this up and getting ready to talk was, I think like even in the example used a few minutes ago of what you heard in that message, mm-hmm. I don't think, again, it's the intention, but 
the intention doesn't really matter because right. of what it accomplishes. But what it accomplishes is shame. Yep. You're shamed into thinking, well, my suffering's not as bad as Job's, or my suffering's not as bad as David's when he lost a son, or pick your your situation that you're being compared to, sure. and it makes you feel shame. The problem is, while shame is a very powerful motivator, yeah. it's also sinful. Yeah, I really believe it's sinful to shame people into because I don't think that God does that. Right, God uses conviction, and God causes us to feel a righteous guilt sure. because we've sinned. But causing people to feel shame sure. is anti gospel. Well, I mean, you look at the woman at the well. Jesus could have crushed yeah. that woman. Yeah. I mean, just crushed her, and he didn't. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like teed up yep. to just destroy her soul, yeah. and that's not what he did. Right. And so I think that if that's what we're supposed to you know, use as a pattern, mm -hmm. uh, is the life of Jesus and how he was, mm -hmm. uh, absolutely. That's just not what we should do. Yeah. So, yeah, so I think then getting practical, you know, I think those who are, I think this goes all the way down to... You know, so we have people, let's say, let's like, let's use the example of um, coming back to physical worship. Okay. Some people can't do that because of legitimate health issues. Totally. Like we, we've got some people with some re that are vulnerable right now to COVID in a major way, and they can't come back. Yep. Certainly. I don't think anyone would shame someone like that. Right. But I think there are also, this is where I think, I think the people that are going to catch some of the shame the longer yeah. this goes on are those that have been real messed up by this yeah. emotionally, mm -hmm. and they're fearful. Yep. And and as a result, they don't feel comfortable coming back. Right. I would say that number one, uh, the politics and the science on all this is still so confusing. Tread lightly. <laughs> right. Right. Like. Right. Just tread lightly is all I'm saying. Yeah. Stop sharing um, your articles. Yeah, please, for the especially, love of God, that should be point especially four. Especially, stop sharing screenshots of articles. Yeah. You know, the thing with the CDC and the change in the, the death rate and all that. And all yeah, that, all yeah. of that stuff. You know, everything was a screenshot. Yeah. Well, you know what you can't do on a screenshot? Scroll down. <laughs> and so it causes you to believe or convey something that's different than what should be. Right. So at, at very least, give a link. Totally, yeah. So we can actually read the whole article. But, but in general... You know, the science, the politics makes it all very, very confusing. So we should be compassionate toward people because of that. And then there are people that, like, again, I understand. I've heard so much of this lately about, like, we're called as Christians not to live in fear and wearing masks or being reluctant to go back to physical worship or whatever is living in fear. Mm -hmm. And so we're sin. And I just, that's not, that's not fair to put on, on people. First yeah. of all, we need to think clearly about fear. Not all fear is sin. Some fear is wisdom. Yeah. If you're being ch like Tammy and I have been hiking on Mondays, if we see a mountain lion coming toward us, we're going to run away yeah. in fear. God gave us that to protect us. Right. There's, there's, so there are, like, we have to think clearly about the emotion of fear. Sure. Some people are trying to be prudent. Some people are trying to use wisdom yeah. Yeah. and care for both themselves and for other people. Yeah. And this has just been really hard. And we're not perfect. We are fallible. And we need to be compassionate toward those who are having a hard time and lead them and shepherd them and love them with compassion rather than just like push, push, push. Sure. And I think that really the people that are like subject to, that kind of shame or ridicule is is truthfully 
anyone who lands in a place different than you. Mm-hmm. I think that that's who you have to be conscious of. So maybe people are way more liberal and, mm-hmm. and they don't care at all. Mm-hmm. And maybe our people are way more conservative. Mm-hmm. I think we have all landed on whatever, you know, I, I referenced in a previous episode, I called it the book of spells. Uh, but I think we have all conjured together mm-hmm. what I mean by that, uh, some kind of idea of like, this is the protocol that I have decided I'm comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And the problem with criticizing anyone's thing is, to your point, nobody knows for sure. Right. Um, and you might think you do, but you don't, because right. nobody does. Because if we had, then there would be the ability to say, well, they have proven mm-hmm. that there's, beyond a shadow of a doubt, no risk in here or there, or mm-hmm. that this is okay or that is okay. And I don't know that, other than, uh, like, and I'm sorry, all you people, COVID exists. It's a thing. Yeah. There are there are people with loved ones who no longer exist. I don't care about the numbers or the percentages. There are people who have like wept gravely over the fact that COVID is here. So right. it's here. But outside of that, it's just so confusing. Yeah. And I think recognizing that when someone else has done their due diligence, and, and let's just be honest, some people's due diligence is the article that a friend shared on Facebook that was just a screenshot. Yeah, or, but, or just consuming all your news via meme. Sure. But I guess my point is like, and, and, and other people have gone to every website and mm-hmm. done analytics and this, and I still don't know who's winning in any of that. All that to say, like, um, we're all getting through this the best that we can. And so I think making sure that you don't kind of like, I mean, from a, like, you know, old school term of like self-righteousness that mm-hmm. you don't take what you've decided is good and right and true about the way to interact with this and elevate it above everyone else's mm-hmm. and then try to get everyone to where you are. Cause I think on the other end, it's easy to look at some of those people. Maybe you follow them on social media. Maybe you follow them different places, some people in your church and you haven't seen them or they haven't engaged as much as you thought they should or whatever the case might be. And, um, and you see how they are on social media. And it's so easy to develop these assumptions mm-hmm. about people. We were talking about this earlier. I mm-hmm. think I think that's so helpful that you mm-hmm. um, actually interact with those people. Pick yep. up the phone, send a text message. Don't just comment on a Facebook post. Don't just like it. Don't just, you know, send them, you know, a messenger message like, actually reach out to people and understand how they're doing because I think that the way that people are actually doing and the way they might feel about you and your church and and how you have served them through this season is probably very different than uh, you actually think. And I think going back to our first point, uh, so much of those assumptions might be fueling the decisions we're making. Mm -hmm. And when we actually do the work to investigate and understand how people are doing, I think that um, uh, it's not that people are doing better than we think, but I think that um, how we have done as pastors and how we have done as churches, I think is much better than uh, people think. Because again, you know, the the old adage of, uh, you know, an average pastor quits based on less than five people in their church. Mm-hmm. You probably have that one story. Right now mm-hmm. I have one story of one conversation I had yeah. that was like, not great. Yeah. That's all I have. And right. if that were to fill the entire bucket mm-hmm. of the view that Ridgeline Church has, I would be totally destroyed. Yeah. But that's not true. And I think it's so important that we make sure that we're being informed with real yeah. information. Whew. Yeah. You all right? Yeah. That was good. Was it? It was good. It was okay. a lot. Okay. Yeah. yeah it felt it like was a good. lot. Yeah. Okay, good. But I would say, just piggybacking off that, I think a word specifically to preachers, um, 
is I would I've, I think I've I've fallen prey to this a little bit over the last couple of months. I think it's very important to keep in mind that of the limited studies that have been done by I think like it was Barna or someone over the last couple yeah. of months. I can't remember the exact the exact number, but it was something like fifty percent of people in our churches or whatever had not consumed a a single piece of the digital content that we had produced over a four week period. Yep. And I think that's a really important thing to keep in mind when the totality of your relationship with some of the people in your church is on social media Mm. and you see them posting things like maybe you have, like me, spoken in to some of these cultural things that are going on. Sure. Spoken into how we should think about COVID, how we should approach COVID to race relations, to all of these things. And they're posting things that are the exact opposite of what you've said. I have interpreted some of that as Mm -hmm. like, these people are trying to go to war with me because my opinion on social media, because my opinion is so unbelievably important. Yep. When the truth is, if these studies are true, the vast majority of these people that are posting, like that think whatever they think and are posting whatever they're posting online, have not even listened to a word you've said sure. in the last two months. It has nothing to do with you. And every and so many people are just floundering trying to figure out what the H is going on right. in their lives. Well, and you think about how, like when I think about watching something online, obviously I'm at the service, but when I watch something online or watch a video clip or anything like that, I am also like cleaning my bathroom yeah. and making breakfast and running the garbage out. And I feel like, uh, I, you know, am I going to pause it? Well, the remote's all the way over there. I can lose these three minutes. And so right. even maybe when that was addressed by any particular preacher, mm-hmm. that even if that person did participate, I mean, the likelihood, I, I'm not like a big math guy or a big odds mm-hmm. guy, but the likelihood mm-hmm. the average watcher saw and retained what was said about those topics has got to be like, it's yeah. got to be better odds to win the lottery. Yeah. And my point in that, I don't know that I made it, was to say, to piggyback off what you were saying sure. and to emphasize why it's important mm-hmm. to actually engage. Because totally. here, what I've started to do Literally, just not not because I'm angry yeah. or anything like that. I've just started to unfollow people, sure, um, even people I know well, yeah. because I've just found it to be counterproductive to my actual relationship with them. Sure. And so I want my relationship with people in our church in particular, and just people in general, to actually be relationship yep. rather than via social media. And, and as so, a side note, from yeah. a protocol standpoint. Yeah. Be an adult and unfollow people. Don't just unfriend people. Totally, yeah. And, and or mute I mean, on Instagram. You can mute yeah, people. Yeah, they're like like learn your social media and learn that there are ways of doing it that don't like intentionally wound that person when they learn that because there's no way of learning that. Yeah, yeah. It's I'm preaching through First Peter right now, and this weekend um, I'm at the end of chapter one, mm-hmm. and Peter's talking about how. One of the things that new birth produces in us is a a deep love for one another. Mm. And the word that he uses, I think this is a good place for us to kind of lay on the plane. The word that he uses is, uh, has wrapped up in it the idea of loving with this deep resolve. Mm. And I think the reason, like some people might hear hear us say, you know, just unfollow people on social media, and that sounds very petty. Mm. And the motive behind it for me is. My, my love and my relationship with these people is going to, to transcend the stupid tool that is social media. Sure. And I think that for me, it's a way of like, I've resolved to love these people. Mm-hmm. And it's, 
it's makes it more difficult for me to relate with people when I see all this other stuff. And so as a result, one of the ways I've resolved to love people is like, you know what? I'm just not going to have this be the, the way that I relate with this person that I know and I love. But I think that if we could just begin to hang that more and more uh, in our lives, especially through a season like this, I think that's how our churches make it through this really contentious, divisive time. That's good. So, uh, yeah, so that's it. Let's, let's work to really lead without pushing people. It's not easy. But if we're ruthless about what's driving our decisions, we're careful to assess the impact of the last seven months, and we're compassionate toward those who are struggling, we're going to get there. So thanks so much for listening this week. We'll be back next week uh, as we talk about another priority uh, for this season. Uh, if you want to uh, follow along and never miss uh, what's happening uh, on From the Field, you can uh, find us on our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash fromthefieldpodcast. Mm-hmm. You can follow me. Uh, on Instagram at at Ryan Hughley, H-U-G-U-L-E-Y, unless you post like anti-mask stuff. And then as you've learned, well, you I'll can probably follow him. He's you. just going to unmute you. Or mute you. <laughs> so that's cool. Whatever. <laughs> and where can people find you? Yeah. At Tyler Dravitz. It's at T-Y-L-E-R-D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. It's interesting to me that you always spell the Tyler part. Is there more than one way to spell Tyler? Yeah, there, I've I've known of Tyler's that are T-Y-L-O-R. Well, that's not true. That's, Often at Starbucks, Tyler. the baristas will spell it T-Y-L-O-R. Really? Mm-hmm. Tyler? <laughs> I don't know. What are you, like a like a mid, mid, like medieval knight? Tyler yeah. sounds like a dragon or something. <laughs> I don't know. So it's T-Y-L-E-R-D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. Yep. Uh, Facebook, Instagram. You could, you could Snapchat, TikTok, no, Tai Tai's dropping. I don't know some what most of those moves. things are. You can uh, LinkedIn. I'm on. Oh, are I'm you? on LinkedIn. Sure, you are too. Am I? I log in like once a year and accept all the requests. There's usually like 400 of them. <laughs> <laughs> Probably people think you hate them based yeah, on your lack of probably. LinkedIn response. Well, there's lots of places you can find us, but we really appreciate you listening, and uh, we'll see you next week.